Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we begin chapter 14 in the book of Mark. After days spent in Jerusalem leading up to the Passover, the plot to arrest and kill Jesus begins to take shape. In this chapter, a lot will take place very quickly. It begins this week with relative calm, but the undercurrent of betrayal behind the scenes. And the chapter gets very dark before we conclude it. This chapter also serves as a reminder that out of the ashes of the darkest and most evil of times and events, God orchestrates and brings about his good purposes according to his love, grace, and sovereign will. Here is today's slice of the sermon entitled, Murder, Love, Betrayal. He was orchestrating everything to bring it to pass at the right time. He knew when and where on Thursday evening he was going to celebrate the Passover with his disciples. He knew that afterward he would be betrayed. He knew that he was going to be tried in the wee hours of that night in a a, a multifaceted mockery of a trial. He knew he was going to be condemned. He knew he was going to be crucified on Friday morning. He further knew that he would voluntarily give up his life late Friday afternoon, that he would be buried before sundown on Friday, and that he would rise from the dead on Sunday morning. Everything Jesus did was on a divine timetable. And as we see it unfold in the next, uh, I don't know, passage or two, you're going to see also that while Jesus knew all of that, he kept from Judas where the Passover meal was going to be held. He he worded it, he he worked it out so that he couldn't be betrayed at that time. It would have to be later. All right, now let's change scenes. Let's look at something that went on across town, probably in secret late Tuesday night or Wednesday morning. So do your own mental time travel and teleporting to get caught up here. Mark chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. You'll see how this overlaps with Matthew 26, 1 and 2. Now the Passover and unleavened bread, that's the seven-day feast that follows the Passover, were two days away. And the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how to seize him by stealth and kill him. For they were saying, not during the festival, otherwise there might be a riot of the people. They were planning now to kidnap Jesus, steal him away. It was by stealth. They were too smart to figure out, to to think that, that they could get away with doing something by way of a public arrest. They were planning to be sneaky by stealth. Now, from Matthew, we learn about this secret meeting of the Sanhedrin. They apparently had a lot of those meetings to work on planning Jesus' murder. Um, This one was the time that Judas came. Now, these guys had had it. The miracles of Jesus drove them nuts. 
His teaching drove them crazy. He never lost an argument to them. They never had any success in debating him. They rejected the validity of his miracles. They blamed them all on Satan, but the impact on the people was undeniable. And these last few days were more than they could bear. They knew Jesus had sneaked almost into Jerusalem. He'd come up and made a quick visit to to Bethany and he'd raised Lazarus from the dead just a few weeks before before this. And that was so odious to them They also plotted to murder Lazarus. You'd think they might be a little curious about a guy that raises the dead. But they just wanted to get rid of him. Because after all, to, to, to them, those days leading up to the Passover in the temple, that was like Black Friday to American merchandisers. That's where most of their profit came during that time. And Jesus came and messed it up. How dare he quote scripture about what we were doing? He's messing with our influence. He's messing with our pocketbooks. That can't possibly be from God. Then the triumphal entry. Oh, that that rubbed their noses in their hatred for Jesus. Clearing the temple? Awful. So for over a year now, they'd planned to do away with Jesus. What's new at this meeting when Judas came is they determined that it was going to have to be soon. They were kind of biding their time, but now it's got to be soon. These hyper-religious and fully evil men who hated the Son of God so passionately, yet they, they were convincing themselves that they were, serving God, that they were serving God in doing this, and they decided to firm up their plan. Popularity of Jesus wouldn't let them do it in public, so we're going to... Uh, figure out a way to seize Jesus in some sort of yet-to-be-determined strategy to kidnap him and kill him. They didn't know how it was going to work, but they were about to get their big break sooner than they expected because their timetable was not God's timetable, but God is in charge. Okay, so you've got the cowardly murderers planning their evil. Secondly, we're going to turn to a devoted follower. Now we teleport and time travel back to Saturday or either Saturday after the Passover ended at sundown or Sunday evening, one of those two, depending on which, um, which one you want to you choose as your sequence for the days. It's right before the triumphal entry, the night before the triumphal entry. A supper... A celebratory meal was held in Bethany in honor of Jesus. We know that at least uh, about 20 people were there, maybe more. There were at least 15 men. We know of Jesus and the 12 and Lazarus and a man named Simon who opened his home to to host this. So it must have been a pretty uh, nice home. Uh, Also from John chapter 12, verse 2, we know that Martha, the sister of Mary and Lazarus, was there and that she helped serve. Probably her sister did too, but she's not mentioned in the serving. Uh, This guy named Simon hosted this. Now, this is one of those easy Bible biographies to do. We know the guy's name is Simon. He's called Simon the leper, and he hosted a party. 
That's exactly how much we know about him. It's reasonable, therefore, to assume, since he was a disciple of Jesus, since he was a friend of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, since he lived in Bethany, since he's called a leper, almost certainly he's one that Jesus had healed of leprosy. Maybe he's one not named in one of those miracles that we've already read about. Maybe he's somebody that was the, re, the product of a miracle that isn't recorded in the script. We don't know. But Mark chapter four, or 14, rather, verse 3. While he was in Bethany, while Jesus was in Bethany, at the home of Simon the leper, reclining at the table, you know, they, they sat at low tables and kind of leaned on one side as then they would, you know, line up around the, the table there. They were reclining at the table. There came a woman with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume of pure nard. I think it was nard number five. And she broke the vial and poured it over his head. You got to put together Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John. You go to John chapter 12, verse 3, you'll find out this was Mary of Bethany who did this. A similar incident involves a different woman. That's recorded over in Luke chapter 7, but this one was Mary whom we've met before. Mary, in doing this, which is something uh, frankly, we don't do, right? But she was showing that she understood something that the disciples hadn't yet grasped. She knew that Jesus was going to die. She'd paid attention to his predictions. Her intention was not only to show her love and devotion to the Lord, but to prepare him symbolically for his burial. Again, something we don't do. Her act of profound sacrifice and love and generosity, it wasn't real popular in the house that night. The other Gospels tell us that Judas was the one who verbalized this, but we know that the other disciples joined in. Read on, verses 4 and 5. But some were indignantly remarking to one another, Why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for over 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they were scolding her. Now we know it was Judas. John 12, 6 says that he's the one that was the spokesman in this case. Now he, referring to Judas, said this. Now listen, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because... He was a thief. And as he had the money box, he used to pilfer what was put into it. Judas was a money lover. Judas was a hypocrite. Judas was an apostate. Judas was a thief. Well, Jesus rebukes the carnality of all the disciples, and of course, especially the wickedness of Judas. And he told them, what was really going on, verses 6 through 9. But Jesus said, remember, they're indignant and they're scolding her. But Jesus said, let her alone. Why do you bother her? She has done a good deed to me. For you always have the poor with you, and whenever you wish, you can do good to them. But you do not always have me... 
If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.